Hello, hello, and welcome back to A Life Extraordinary. I'm your show host, Roberto, and today I'm coming to you from the forest because it is a place where I love to be, where I find myself, where I immerse myself, and where I uh, really do tend to find some peace. And the forest I find myself in now is in Whistler, British Columbia, and it is a beautiful forest indeed. There are tall, towering trees. In the background, you might hear the murmur of the river, which is just about a hundred paces away. And, um, you know, these are strange and difficult times for me, going through a divorce. Um, I've got three little kids, um, and it's tough, and it's mega tough. But when you come out to a spot like this, and you immerse yourself amongst the trees, amongst the leaves, amongst the sounds of nature, sometimes even the bugs, then you really get yourself um, back to back grounded. You know, you you go back to understanding what nature's about and what our place in time and uh, is. So here I am in the forest, and I wanted to talk to you about all the different things that you can do when in the forest, and there is no lack of them, but for many places around the world and for many people, it's tricky in itself to find a forest, so that's the first thing you need to do. For Canadians, we have that quite easily, considering that the majority of Canada's 33 million people live along the border of the Canada and the United States border. And because of this, basically, almost everything heading north from this point and from that latitude is forest. And so we have a plenty. Indeed, we have forests, lakes, rivers, and more. And there are some places where certain provinces um, that even have up to one, a purported up to one million lakes. For example, the province of Quebec has plenty, plenty of water and forests and rivers. And indeed, that's where my journey began as a kayaker, as a canoeist, as an explorer, and in the end, inadvertently, as a photographer and videographer. And the forest has always had quite a magic for me because um, it's where I find myself and it's where I'm most at peace, um, particularly if that forest is right next to a lake. Because there's something about a pristine body of water right next to the forest where I may be, where I pitch my tent and I have the best of both worlds. Now, in the forest that I am now, one of the activities that you can do quite easily here in in Whistler is uh, actually go look for bears. There are so many bears out and about um, that uh, yesterday, or was it the day before yesterday? I think the day before yesterday. Or yesterday, not sure. <laughs> I saw uh, a, a nine, nine bears. And this is the time when the mothers are out with their cubs, so it's more likely that you'll spot these bears because they're still, the little ones are still trudging along behind their mama bear. And so whenever you do see one, it's much more likely that you'll see three instead of just one, because after a certain age that these cubs grow up, then the mother sends them off on their own to explore and conquer and confront the world on their own terms. You know, and that's, a, I guess, a very similar thing to us humans, is 
that we do the same to our children. And oftentimes, it's the best thing we can do for them. So, activity number one when in the forest is, if you are on the west coast of British Columbia or west coast of Canada, you can go looking for bears. Now, a quick little tip here in Whistler, you can head up a road called the Callahan Valley Road or the Callahan Road. And often, if you go at dawn or at dusk, you'll see bears along the side of the roadway simply eating berries. And the reason that you'll see them uh, either at dusk or at dawn is that it's when it's the least hot time of the day. Or, did I word that properly? It's when it's not as hot. And so that's why the bears are out and about, because they are a creature that wants to conserve as much energy as possible. So during the day when it gets too hot, it's a time to rest and loll about. Uh, but in the evenings, it's the time to scrounge about and look for berries and look for food and whatnot. So activity number one, go bear, bear watching the West Coast. Activity two is RVing. You know, out of big chunk of the world day rest that the best ways or uh, is by taking a camper with you or an RV which is short for recreational vehicle and uh, and indeed the Airstream purchase that uh, that I did some, some years ago um, was the best one that I've ever done when it comes to lifestyle because you can go explore places in a in a style of comfort that, uh, that simply can't be done with a tent. And in our case, because we had our little ones, this is when we realized that, well, I had Mickey at the time, um, that we needed an RV because, oh, excuse me, let me take a sip of Tim Horton's coffee. Another thing to do when in the forest is have a good coffee. Um, but that goes with RVing as well. Moment here. Mm. Ah, that's good. Um, there's nothing like a good coffee in the forest. <laughs> um, but with, a, with an RV, you can explore places that otherwise um, you would feel uncomfortable. For example, if you're in the forest and you're scared of bears, which are two things that tend to go hand in hand here, then you uh, are not so concerned because the likelihood of them getting into your camper RV is next to none. But um, if you are in the forest and it's raining or pouring or any of the above... Uh, then you can also be quite comfortable in your camper because you jump in your camper, you turn on the heating, you make a coffee, and you look out the window at the rain pitter-patter down along uh, outside your RV. And even, you know, one of the really great things about having an RV when you're in the forest is also that you can, and this is the main reason that we jumped into the camper world, is because we realized that uh, whenever we go on a big adventure or a backcountry adventure, getting back um, to the tent, hey, and you get to a tent that's um, that's wet or soggy after a big day of rain, then it is a bit more uncomfortable. Um, so that's why it's so great to, to have your camper van in the forest because you're cozy, you're warm, and you're still immersed in nature amongst the trees. What would be the next thing that I would recommend? when in the forest. Well, there's a thing called grounding. And what that is, is basically, there's a study that says that if you take your shoes off and your socks off 
and you walk along the ground of a forest that your body gets re-energized. And I, you know, I'm not exactly sure what the science behind it is, but I do know that it feels great, you know, and that's a lovely thing because, um, when in the forest and barefoot while the bottom of your feet might get a tad dirty, it's dirt. It's not gross city stuff. And so that's why I love walking barefoot in the forest. I do feel re-energized. And there are studies that say that something about the positive and negative electrons and ions uh, are really great for your body's health. But I just find that you feel grounded when you're playing in the earth. And there's another study that says that the reason that people love to play in the dirt is because the dirt releases chemicals that in the end act like endorphins and make you happy. So not so different to be digging in the ground um, when you're gardening and have those endorphins released because of the chemicals that are in the dirt than smoking a joint. <laughs> so one's much healthier than the other. Um, so, so there you go. And, and I found that very interesting. And it's apparently one of the reasons why people like to uh, garden. But in the case of children and adults when in the forest, then... That has its own magic in itself because playing with sticks and stones and dirt and digging and all that jazz um, makes you happy. And actually, apparently, it's also the decom decomposing wood. So wood that's decomposing that also releases these chemicals. So when kids are playing and getting their hands all dirty, those decomposing uh, wood or fibers end up making them happy as well. The Japanese say that there's a thing called forest bathing and that you go for walks in the forest and by by being out there um, and recentering really your thought uh, that the trees and the whole, uh, I guess, nature uh, has a, an effect on your psychic body. And it's really funny because... Uh, a buddy of mine, when I was at some point down some years ago, said to me, oh, you should go into the forest or, or the doctor's going to tell you, go out into the forest and you're going to feel much better. Um, and the irony of that is that I spend a lot of time in the forest. So we've gone through a few. Forest bathing, one of the things you Japanese really believe in, um, particularly coming from the big city, is a great thing to do. RVing, when in the forest, gives you comfort, gives you... Um, keeps you out of the elements and, and makes you have a great experience. Uh, taking your children into the forest is a big one as well because so many kids don't walk well. And what do I mean by that? Is that they're not sure-footed. And, and for many years, and when they get much older, there you could see them. And if you go on a hike, you know, I, take, uh, I guide people around the world, hike or a bike, at, or an adventure, you could see them slipping on stones and falling in the water and tripping over roots and really kind of being pretty klutzy. So when the kids are playing in the forest, they're jumping from trees and roots and stumps. Um, they're running through dirt. They're playing by the river's edge. They're, they're really becoming dexterous, is that the word, um, with their feet. And I think that's a fantastic thing to have um, that ability um, and hand-eye coordination, basically, it's what it comes down to, or foot-eye coordination. Um, and so it's a big effect on children to be running around on uneven terrain 
that makes them learn to adjust for the difference in the terrain. And I see a lot of city kids um, have difficulty when they are out in nature and they fall all over themselves because they're just not used to it. So, so taking your kids out for, for a play in the forest really adds a lot to their physical ability. And somebody the other day mentioned uh, a word or a phrase that that really stuck with me. It stuck with me so much I can't remember it. Um, But it stuck with me and it was um, regarding the ability of that not enough focus is given on the ability uh, of kids to be out and about and how it affects them to be out in nature in a positive way. Like kind of like emotional intelligence, but, but like nature intelligence mixed with activity Um, and she had used the perfect phrase and it just doesn't come to me right now Um, but that's a great thing you know get your kids into the outdoors Um, get them playing on uneven terrain don't be so worried that they're going to hurt themselves you know I'm looking around the forest right now there's plenty of sticks and stones that the kids could cut themselves on but but that's okay because there's plenty of stuff in the real city life world that they can hurt themselves with as well. And if you don't give them that um, range of uh, ability to, to push their own limits in nature, then perhaps you're limiting them into what becomes uh, a great uh, ability to, to do activities outdoors. And also this, this foot dexterity or this uh, you know hand or foot-eye coordination, um, or this physical ability that comes to young children from playing in the forest, I think is something that goes with them for the rest of their lives because then they can hopscotch around um, stones and jump and do things with a better physical understanding of their surroundings and an emotional understanding of their surroundings. And yes, a stick and a stone might hurt here and there, but... At the end of the day, I think the benefit is far more. I think there's kids, and I've mentioned this on a previous podcast, there's kids that uh, in places like Mexico City that go to gyms that are particularly made for them to do activity. Because to try and give them these motor skills that they get from being in the forest. What's the next thing? Well, a good walk through the forest, perhaps with a cup of coffee and a joint in hand, um, and some thoughts in tow it is definitely something that uh, I'd like to do from time to time because the sounds of nature and the sounds of the wind going through the leaves um, is pacifying and it's, it's conducive to, to thinking and to thinking about whatever it may be and coming to the proper conclusions. It's really hard to be home um, around screaming or yelling kids or to be in the city with the sounds of horns and um, cars and streeters uh, um, all ambulances and what, to really be able to focus your thought. And yet when I come out to the forest I feel everything more coherent in that regard. So there's another thing to do when in the forest. I turn to my right and I see my mountain bike that I've just picked up uh, that I had to change the derailleur on because I smashed it the other day. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, mountain biking in the forest. Um, Magic, you know, going over roots and stumps and stones and trails is probably one of my favorite activities to do in Worcester. And 
And there is, with good reason, uh, a reason that Whistler is a mecca for mountain bikers because the trails are winding and, and fantastic and, um, and I really, really enjoy them. Now, this is an activity to do within the forest and to be very careful, of course, because even my, my ex the other day, she took a tumble off her bike and broke her elbow and another part of her elbow and now she just had a titanium elbow put in um, that should do her better than the last one she had. So you do have to be careful when mountain biking within the forest and indeed the accidents that are seen up here in Whistler um, due to mountain biking are quite extraordinary because if you go over your handlebars you tend to use your wrists and hands to stop the fall and that's where things tend to break. I had a sponsor of ours uh, sometime back, Norco, and she basically broke her both her wrists and had double cast on each arm. Now imagine that. I know, I'm telling you the negative side of mountain biking when in the forest when I should be telling you about all the positives. And, and the positives just are, are amazing. You know, you, you cover so much terrain when you're mountain biking and particularly if you're on the downhill side of it. And, and I find that that speed and that adjustment of your tire and your, and your, your braking and makes you super focused on what you're doing so that you don't take a tumble like my friend did or like my ex did. Because that makes you focus only on what the task at hand is. And your mind cannot wander to other places because that's perhaps also when an accident might happen. So mountain biking, when in the forest, definitely a top one, particularly here in Whistler. And just make sure to always keep an eye on your bike when you're not in the forest riding and uh, you're in the parking lots and whatnot because Whistler is also the number one place for bikes to be stolen in North America because so many people's bikes are actually worth even more than their cars. Um, what else can you do when in the forest? hiking. You know, this takes it a lot, a notch down into the extremeness of the sport, but hiking is a great way to immerse yourself in the forest and particularly going on treks that involve backpack camping. Um, I'm a big fan of that. And, um, there's a lot of places in this area to do, to do that. And, and, you know, it's not that hard. You know, a lot of people say, Oh, well, I got to pack so much and it's gonna be so difficult. Excuse me. And at the end of the day, it's like, no, it's really not that hard. You pack a bag, you put some food, you put a sleeping bag, a mattress, a tent, a stove, bring some water, perhaps some wine, and, uh, and head off into the bush. And, and there is a big differentiator for me when it comes to camping in the forest than to doing a simple trek. Because camping adds it to another level and you truly get fully immersed and waking up in your tent and opening the door flap and seeing the dew on the leaves outside your tent and the trees towering above your tiny and tiny humble abode um, is, is something very special and very relaxing. I love taking my kids on backcountry camping trips as well and I think that's some one of the things that uh, is going to be sad in a way or difficult in a way at the moment that I won't be doing it with my ex and the kids. But that is how things go and perhaps perhaps I'll have a new partner to do those things with um, and, and with my kids um, because 
I guess that's life. I'm not the first to get divorced, and I won't be the last. Although, when w one is going through these things, you most definitely feel, oh, excuse me, like you're the only one that's going through it. So, trekking in the forest, another fantastic activity to do. What's the next thing? I'm looking at my axe over there that's uh, in a stump of wood and um, definitely chopping wood, you know. <laughs> there, there is something to be said for the medita meditative um, nature of chopping some wood. You know, a lot of um, people say, oh, well, that's you know, so negative when it comes to, to the forest. But of course, there are plenty of trees that have already either been felled by nature or that have been toppled by someone else. And cutting these up um, in the proper, uh, quintessentially Canadian way, with an axe in your arms and your strength, and the wood chop, 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 is, is uh, an activity that I thoroughly enjoy. And it's an activity that, that is to be done in the forest, because, of course, that's where the wood was gotten. And if you're building a fire... That goes so very much hand-in-hand hand to chopping some wood. So, in order to have your fire, you've got to chop some wood. Or you can head to the gas station and buy a bag. But it's just not the same. On that note, a bag of wood in Iceland is like 50, 60 bucks. Whereas a bag of wood here at the gas station is 8 bucks. So, go figure that. But there's nothing better than just doing it yourself. And chopping your own wood, as they would say. So just another thing to do when in the forest. Um, looking around here and thinking, you know, what else can be done? If you've got a proper clearing near where you're camping, and that's where you pitch your tent, then sky watching is something that is absolutely fantastic late in the evenings. Because in a lot of places in Canada and in a lot of places around the world, when you're in the forest and you've got a nice patch of clearing and you're looking up then the trees, oh my lord, I don't know if it's like getting a haircut and podcasting, they both make me yawn, <laughs> um, but you look up and it's almost like they create this crown of the sky and I think it's by kind of like looking through the lens of a camera that you're focused on that section alone, that it makes it really, really neat to look at a speckled stars above because you're looking at that particular section. And if you're a photographer, then setting up the camera and doing a time-lapse that's crowned by a bunch of trees is next level because that way you're really focused on a portion of the sky. And when the time-lapse goes through, then um, it's really neat to see that, uh, that it's only a certain section that's move, moving, um, whereas the rest is standing still. For those that didn't know... A neat fact about a forest is that many of the trees are actually connected to each other. So if you see on the side of a mountain a grove of trees, and, and in amongst that grove of trees there's uh, a batch of them are birch trees, or a batch of them are pine trees, and it's very distinctive, distinct to see them um, quite commonly all over the world when you see a bunch of trees. And the reason is is that those trees are interconnected underneath. So indeed, what you're looking at at that one tree is 
a tree connected to a dozen or a hundred or a thousand trees. And, uh, and that's really mind-boggling when you think about that because it kind of amplifies the understanding that we are all connected in one way or another. What else could I tell you about camping in the forest? Oh, yes, do be careful um, not to start a forest fire. Um, one of the... <laughs> when in a forest, don't start a forest fire. Um, one of the things that people often don't realize is that by flicking their cigarette or their joint or whatever it may be into the forest, that with a little bit of wind, that that uh, roach or stub can can cause a forest fire. And and here in British Columbia, unfortunately, every year here in Alberta, there are a lot of massive forest fires that are caused by such flicked cigarette or joint. And, and it's very sad to see um, because suddenly that forest fire can eliminate hectares, if not even more, uh, of trees. And, you know, and it's very sad. Another thing that, uh, that is man-made when it comes to forest fires is that people forget to be attending to their fire. You know, and I will say that once upon a time when I was 17 or 16 and I was camping in northern Quebec, we had a nice fire going in a nice fire pit. And I had let it smolder down to a very small size. And I thought, impossible that that small-sized remnants of a fire could start uh, a forest fire. And I'm in my tent and I start to hear a bit of a crackling sound. And a burning sound. And I open, unzip my tent to see what's going on out there. It sounds like the fire is much bigger than it should be. And right beside the fire, in a patch of about two and a half meters wide, the ground is scorched. And indeed, some of the embers had jumped out of the fire with little wind uh, and started to burn the ground. So I immediately got a bunch of water from the lake because we tend to camp next to the lake. And it was a canoe trip, and, and we doused everything that was out. But it was the first and only time that I've had to be reminded about how quickly a forest fire can start if left unattended. Um, oh, yeah, I was also wondering, why am I so tired? It's because I had my three kids last night, and my littlest one is only 11 months old. And four or five times during the night, she, she woke up, and um, she was... Uh, just wanted some milk and some attention of hug me and then you can go back to sleep. But I guess this is why I am so very, very tired today. What else can you do when in the forest? Well, you can find yourself a river to skinny dip in or bathe in. And uh, there's nothing more refreshing than the cold, crisp water washing over you and reminding you how quickly you can feel alive with the simple dip of your foot or whole body into glacial-fed water. So, when in the forest, find a river, take a shower, and call it a day. <laughs> um, a lot of, you know, I, I tend to, I've spent a lot of my life in the segment of adventure sports that are non-motorized, but there is a big segment of the world that loves to use uh, 
ATVs, and dirt bikes. And this segment loves to immerse themselves in the forest as well because they, the trails are fabulous and divine and, uh, and there is something to be said for motorized adventures into the backcountry. Um, so quick little uh, tip on that one is lots of trails, lots of ATV trails here on the west coast of Canada, also on the whole west coast of the United States. And while our forest trees are taller and smell better and are taller and the tree stumps are wider <laughs> or the trees are wider diameter-wise, the east coast of Canada also has... Plenty of trails going in every direction, whether it be for snowmobiles, ATVs, uh, e-bikes, anything like that. And so I highly recommend that you head out on the trails in the forest. Um, overlanding is another activity that, um, that you, people will also um, enjoy when in the forest because you can go camping and set up your rooftop tent and um, have all the comforts um, of a normal life, except you, except for the running shower, maybe, <laughs> and except for maybe the heating, if you're overlanding and your rig isn't heated. So a few different comforts, let's just say. Um, but a lot of people thoroughly enjoy heading deep into the forest and uh, and camping out there. And overlanding is when people take their vehicle to go um, to go camping. And a lot of people have really sick, as an awesome setups that uh, that come pretty close onto fulfilling the amenities that you would love to have on your own adventure. Um, eating. Yes, eating in the forest is a wonderful thing. You know, have you ever sat with a, sat in a, one of those folding chairs in a forest with a flapjacks or pancakes as we call them or crepe as the French would say a little bit of maple syrup doused all over it and uh, and eating your breakfast in the forest is is quite sublime and divine you know uh, a lot more significant than when you're home but um, this is still uh, something to do uh, when you're out in the back country and that is to make yourself a solid meal after adventure everything tastes better so your meal in the forest and if you were smart enough to bring up a flask of wine or a bottle even though the weight was unappreciated on the way up it will thoroughly be appreciated when the wine is going down your throat particularly on a long so I think that takes you through a few different things that I love to do when in the forest. And I appreciate you tuning in to listening. Listen in to my rant or thoughts of enjoying the forest. And uh, we'll have more podcasts to come. So, tau tau for now. See you later. I'm Roberto for The Expeditioners. Don't forget to check out The Expeditioners on Instagram and Facebook. See you next time.